Hello, I'm Gotham Paul from NZ Blockchain Forums, and welcome to the third episode of Blockchain Bytes. Today, we are going to be speaking with Mark Pascal. Mark has spent the last 25 years in the software development space, and particularly the last eight in the world of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. He's a founder of the DAO Agency, a consultancy company providing a range of services in the blockchain, decentralized governance, and decentralized autonomous organization space. He's one of the founding partners of the Mesa Cartel Venture DAO, which is a US $35 million international venture capital DAO. So Mark, please give us some more of an introduction to yourself, particularly how and why did you get involved in the blockchain crypto space in the first place? Thanks. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, as you said, I've uh, come from a sort of technical background. I used to run a software company called threemonths.com. And uh, but part of that role was uh, I had the opportunity to go and look at the shiny new technologies and emerging trends. So and uh, I think it was in 2014, I went to a conference actually in Queenstown called Bitcoin South. And uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to hang around some of these sort of industry greats at that time. And there weren't many uh, back then, but uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, he, he was down there and spent sort of quite a few evenings chatting to him. And uh, yeah, really got, got sucked into the rabbit hole. It was this, uh, this sort of revelation that this was much more than a, a technology or a new currency, or a, this was a, a sort of a, a platform, a sort of a paradigm shift in, in how we could potentially organize ourselves as a society. So uh, yeah, so, so got, got very excited over that, that long weekend and uh, sort of got back to Wellington and said to the guys in my company, hey, we're going we're gonna to pivot. We're going to morph from a, a sort of generalized sort of web two software dev company into more of a blockchain web three company. And uh, so we went through a transition over the next few years and we rebranded into blockchainlab.nz and uh, yeah, and ran, I ran conferences, uh, the second one was was in 2017, I think. Uh, I managed to persuade Vitalik Buterin, the, uh, the founder of Ethereum, and about sort of 16 other, you know, key 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 players to uh, come to New Zealand. And uh, yes, yeah, so I, I spent the, uh, an interesting week with him and him and uh, Andreas, showing him around the country. Uh, so yes, I did some really cool stuff, and, and we, we we really specialised in uh, software blockchain auditing. So we we helped. Uh, companies all around the world uh, audit their code and make sure that their code was doing what it said on the, on the packet. And uh, yeah, so, but since then, uh, so I left Blockchain Lab, sold out of that a couple of years ago. I was with the blockchain, I worked as the uh, director of the Blockchain Association for about a year. And part of that, I presented at Parliament and I've worked on writing sort of papers for the New Zealand government. And I get hauled up on the TV every now and again when the price of Bitcoin is going crazy up or down. <laughs> uh, and But I've also been getting very, uh, very involved in, in DAOs. And it's always been a passion of mine is the sort of not, not so much the currency side or speculation side, but it's, it's the how do, how can we use this technology to better organize ourselves and around new new forms of governance and because i've also been very interested in this is outside the blockchain world i've also been interested in in uh, new organizational theories like uh, teal holocracy sociocracy which which sort of explore this idea that we can actually create alternative ways of uh of you know, so coordinating ourselves that aren't based on this traditional sort of command and control hierarchy that we kind of assume is the only way to do things at scale uh so uh Yes, and so so bring us right up to date now. I am uh, yes, I'm one of the founding members of uh, Metacortal Ventures, which is this fascinating 
experiment that's been going on for about 18 months now around a, a DAO, so a decentralized autonomous organization, and we can talk about what they are in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're one of the early experiments. Uh, we're essentially a venture capital investment fund. Fund. There's now 70 of us spread, spread out all, all over the world. Uh, our, actually, our treasury, I think, now is around 85 million US uh, in crypto assets. And uh, we've invested in about 50 different startups. And uh, yeah, but no, no bank accounts, no, you know, <laughs> you know CFO, no management team, uh, all voting and governance is all on chain and some real interesting innovations around, uh, you know, I can press a button if I don't like a decision and I can rage quit, it's called, and I can get all my, all my shares out within, within, within four seconds. And I can, wow. uh, yes, there's some really, really interesting I- I- innovation. Uh, mm. And yes, I've been involved in a bunch a bunch of other DAOs and uh, also just started to get involved in the Rye Foundation. So I'm working with them now. So they're, they're a, a fascinating uh, new protocol where they've created a, uh, a stable coin. Uh, so a cryptocurrency that is that is more stable, uh, but they are, they've done something very cool in that they've created a stable coin that isn't pegged to the US dollar. So most stable coins are pegged to the US dollar. That's how mm-hmm. they become stable. But of course, a bunch of people are saying, "Well, hang on, is the U.S. dollar stable?" Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that they, they, they don't think else. I'm working with the Rye Foundation uh, uh, around that as well. So, yes, that's pretty much uh, what I've been up to and where I am now. Thank you. Uh, just, just to sort of, think, I mean, what was the real game changer? Well, what was the moment when you said, "Right, this is what I want to do"? You said you you've gone to this um, conference and you went back to the office and said, "Right, we're changing." Was that the point when you just, okay, we need to change? We need to make it a, a huge step. Yeah, it, 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 it was. And it was a really, you know, I, I'd been doing a similar thing for quite some years with, with my software company. And I, I'd always been, you know, so we, we, we peaked around 20 people and I was, you know, I was a CEO and founder. And, but, and, and along that journey, I'd always wrestled with the fact that as we grew, I just became more stressed uh, and, and you know, I had you know, consultants who'd come in and say, look, you know, you should just employ people below you and create this hierarchy. And, but it always seemed to me just by doing that, it reduced our sort of ability to, to be agile, you know, the, the more layers that we put in. And it, it sort of meant that I became more removed from the, the cold face, what, what was actually going on at sort of developer level. And yeah, it just didn't seem to quite, resonate with my personality and, and what I want to do and and so when I discovered blockchain and, and these other alternative sort of management theories it also came together ah oh, actually I can actually let go of everything I've been told all the business courses I've been on and all the sort of business theory that is sort of underpins our society actually I should let go of all that and and, and open my mind up to completely different ways of doing things and so, yes, yeah, so that was really the beginning. And then that conference sort of triggered that. Uh, uh, and, yeah, so started this journey, which on, went on for many years uh, in sort of, yeah, working in this new new world of decentralized organizational systems. Mm. And here we are now in a sort of completely different part of the, uh, sort of part of the journey as well. I mean, wh- where do you think, if you look at sort of what's your take on New Zealand, where are we here in, uh, in Aotearoa? In terms of, you know, are we keeping up with the momentum? Do we need to do more? Or are things going as you would expect it to? Yeah, yeah. People ask me that question quite a lot. And I think it's worth just sort of reflecting on the fact that I think there's two, well, I, I, the way I see it, there's two 
broad categories of blockchain projects. There's the sort of the corporate government government use cases uh, generally, and generally I would argue they're sort of looking at their current systems and looking at how blockchain might make them more efficient. So you make, you know, the banks might create a, a better SWIFT system for, you know, sending money, money around, the, around the world or, or the supply chain use case uh, where, you know, we want to track uh, sort of supply chain hops and make sure we've got a sort of common record. But generally those, those systems are permissioned. So you, you need to, you know, they're, they're, they've got some degree of centralization and control by a sort of a, a group of organizations or individuals who kind of trust each other. There's that sort of block of work. And there's some, some stuff going on in New Zealand, especially around the, uh, the supply chain thing and some innovative financial stuff going on. But I guess the world I'm more uh, involved in is the sort of fully decentralized, uh, fully global uh, protocols. Uh, and these, these are the projects that are kind of more, I would argue, slightly more in innovative in that they're sort of completely challenging uh, how we do things and and they often live outside geopolitical boundaries so that's creating all sorts of challenges mm -hmm. around regulation and law and uh, you know which law applies if and if in fact the law you know in a lot of cases the law just isn't being designed to to, to to regulate these sorts of tokens because they're so different from anything else mm -hmm. we've we've come across before so that's kind of the, the, the space I'm more I'm more involved in but but to answer your question I think New Zealand's you know it's, it's a small place uh, yes there's definitely some stuff going in the sort of corporate government stuff uh, there's not but there's a whole there's a lot of people individuals uh, scattered around the place who are involved in some of these global protocol development projects uh, so they're often you know some guy in, in Christchurch or Danny Burke or whatever or a bunch of people but they're they're doing amazing things and uh, and yeah, I mean, I often come across, you know, in these Zoom calls or these these Discord channels or, or Telegram channels. Oh, you're from you're from New Zealand, and and uh, so a surprising number of people in that space. But but yeah, I think it's probably generally in proportion to our population. I wouldn't say we're sort of way ahead or way behind most most other countries. You t you touched on sort of other projects. Um, what about something like Canon Coin? Because there's so many other different sort of you know there are things springing up all over the place. What what are the outcomes to date? Do you think for the sort of the projects that have started off here? Yes, I mean, so the Canon the Canon Coin project, or the sort of the broader name we've given it, is called the Wellbeing Protocol. Is is an idea I've been sort of mulling over for many years, and it's this sort of intersection of different parts of my life: the sort of the technology space, the the the, the new organisational systems, and and health and wellbeing uh, mm -hmm. space, and really. My key objective was to try and use some of the stuff I'd learnt in the, in the sort of decentralised space, and actually try and use that to help real people in, in a real situation. So often underprivileged, uh, disadvantaged people in, in sort of low socioeconomic communities, and how might they benefit from this this world, which is mostly, you know, benefiting, you know, nerdy young guys in North America at the moment who, who yeah. are sort of. Uh, working at the leading edge uh so how can we bring some diversity and so really the, the project was the, the vision was well can we create a local economic community can we create a in the form of a local currency uh along the lines of sort of time so time banking which has been around for many years is where you sort of swap hour for hour of time in local community but sort of taking that concept to a whole new level uh, so yes, yeah, so, so we we, uh, we got some funding, ran a ran a trial in East East Poirot where we we 
we had we, we convinced a bunch of people to uh, install a digital wallet which we created which is like a dumbed down version of a sort of standard crypto wallet that you know, made it super easy to use and we built in some we built in some basic governance uh sort of tools into that app and we really wanted to sort of just sort of explore whether we could actually within a you know very limited you know funding and limited time trial what how that would be received and so uh yeah so that that, that trial went went well we got a lot of press we got on the tv and the radio and all the newspapers and it was really sort of caught, caught the public imagination uh and yeah and we're just really planning that the next the next step uh sort of raising one thing we, we did learn we need more capital we need more money to, to sort of get, go a bit bigger and uh yeah so we're raising capital we've just released a white paper which really talks about the bigger picture and and the vision for the project and and also details at the next next trial so that's kind of work in progress but uh hopefully we'll see see more progress next year thank you what about with regards to DAOs? i mean what exactly are they you know who uses them <laughs> what's out there in terms of uh yeah DAOs? Yeah, so, 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 so DAOs, in my mind, was sort of the ultimate sort of uh, endpoint of, of this world, which started in in a you know in the form of Bitcoin as a as a currency, uh, decentralized currency, and then it moved into DApps, so decentralized applications, and really the sort of the third sort of step in that evolution is is actually putting lots of DApps together uh, into an organization, actually calling it an organization. Uh, so a DAO, uh, lots of definitions around. I, I quite like uh, this one, which is a, a DAO is a borderless, open, transparent organization that aims to most efficiently achieve a set of purpose-driven goals through the use of independent agents driven by incentive mechanisms. So, uh, so you know, and, and the way to sort of think about it is, you know, comparing it to a traditional organization. So a traditional, you know, I'm thinking a corporate or a sort of mid, small to medium-sized business. Mm-hmm. So a traditional organization, uh, people have employment contracts and that regulate their behaviors uh, within that, uh, well, regulate their relationship within the organization and, and with others. But ultimately, it all sits in this legal system in the country that they reside. And we have this top-down hierarchical structure, often, as I just said before, often with many layers of management and, and bureaucratic coordination. That's how we how we sort of do things within a traditional organization. A, a DAO is something very different, but similar in a way, in that we, we have an entity that is trying to do something in the world, uh, hopefully something positive in the world. Uh, but a DAO is kind of the set of people, or it can even be things, interacting with each other according to self-enforcing open, open source protocol. So in, in, in practice, we're, we're sort of encoding the, the rules around that business in, in code, but this is blockchain code. This is what we call smart contracts, which means it's transparent. It can't, you know, everybody can see what's going on. There's no sort of decisions behind closed doors. And we can build in, you know, voting systems. We can build in sort of automatic you know, value allocation. We can build in reputation management systems, but they're all transparent. They're all sort of controlled by code, not by a, a small group of people you know in, in a boardroom mm-hmm. uh, or, or a senior management team uh so so individuals so, so it kind of reduces the transaction cost of management and, and creates a much higher level of transparency and individual behavior is incentivized often with, with some sort of token uh to collectively contribute to a common goal or purpose so i might within this DAO, i might uh realize oh if i share my passion and if i contribute to this DAO. 
I might build a reputation in that community and I'll be given a token by that community mm-hmm. for for doing that. And that token might give me lot might give me rights within that organization. It may be something I can, you know, convert into New Zealand dollars and buy my groceries. It might it might give me reputational uh, whatever how that system is designed. So uh but what it does mean is that potentially these entities can actually live completely outside any geopolitical boundary they can uh, live on on the blockchain on the internet uh, and so potentially no legal entity is needed uh, and they can hold huge value Uh, so yeah so there's this sort of cambrian explosion going on at the moment of people experimenting with these DAOs and different alternative governance systems Uh, so metacartel ventures the one i mentioned so we we decided to actually create a legal structure as well so we're Delaware, the US LLC, yeah. uh, so that we could actually in, invest in, in that gave us certain extra sort of ability to do things. But there are plenty of DAOs uh, that have no legal, they don't sort of touch the real world, as it were. They have no legal sort of, you know, sort of equivalent going on. So, uh, and yeah, so there's, this, there's a lot of experimentation and a lot of, you know, debate around the legality and, yeah. and what laws apply anyway. Uh, but it's it's a pretty exciting space uh, to, to to be a part of and seeing just it's just completely green fields uh, place where, where you can uh, throw out all the assumptions you had around how you run an organisation, how you do things, how you motivate people, uh, and so yes, it's a really interesting space. So let, let's take let's take an example. Somebody out there wants to start um, to start and create a DAO community. And, um, you know, it's just something like an environment agency group, for example. Um, how, how would they sort of start that? And how would they staff it? Uh, well, yeah, so, so I mean, many ways to do it. But just for example, they might, they might, a few people might get together and they will perhaps create a traditional website and then they put their, their purpose. They, they want to, they want to, because the, the objective is to build a community. So you want to excite other people. You want to sort of motivate other people to, 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 to become part of this thing. So we're going to change, we're going to make the world a better place or we're going to do this. This is our purpose. You know, this is our values. You just put that up there. And then you probably want to create some sort of token economic, token economic incentive system. Uh, so you may, you may raise some funds far through a traditional philanthropic source. You may put them in a, in a treasury in the DAO. And you, then you, you know, but that's the simplest model, which we've seen a few mm-hmm. times, is that, yeah, you, you raise some funds, you put it in, in a treasury, which is all transparent, all in crypto, you may put it into a stable coin like DAI, so it's not, not so volatile. And, and then you say to the, you say to the people, okay, anybody in the world, hey, look, here's our treasury, here's our purpose. How can you help us to achieve our purpose? So put a proposal forward. And somebody might say, hey, I can, I do social media. I can, I can mm. help you get all over the social media space. This is, this, this, this is what I, this is what I'm going to charge. Uh, and, and this is what, what I'm going to do. So, uh, and I would like some of your tokens. Uh, I would like some of your tokens uh, to, 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 to do that. Uh, so, yeah, so, so that's, that's what they might do. Uh, and 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 then they and then many, many people put may put many proposals in and and they might earn reputation by doing that. They might earn governance rights uh, and they might then will then give them the rights 
to, to, to vote on other proposals. So you can so you start, start to build a sort of a reputation system within that and a value distribution system. So that's that's you know one example of a very sim simple system. Uh, okay, oh, thank you. And what's your take on NFTs? Yes, uh, it's certainly uh, hit, hit, hit the press. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so it's worth just so NFT stands for non fungible token. So what's and they've been around since you know, since Ethereum started the sort of you know the first programmable blockchain. Uh, so and it's worth just understanding. So at its very simplest level, a blockchain can be thought of as this ledger, this this, this database. <coughs> But this database is unique in, in that we all trust uh, that nobody can change it. It's kind of this community-controlled database, essentially. Uh, and once you've got this concept of, a, of an unhackable, unstoppable database, yeah, you can create a currency. That's easy, <coughs> excuse me, as Bitcoin did. Uh, but you can also... Uh, you can also so that's so so Bitcoin is an example of a fungible token. So yeah. as in, I can one Bitcoin is exactly the same as another Bitcoin, just like one teller ten dollar bill is exactly the same as another ten dollar bill. So it's a fungible token. But a non fungible token is the other cool thing you can do with a this global database is you can you can record in full transparency to the whole world that I own this thing. Uh, or this this digital asset, or even this real world thing, or rather, I should should I should as slightly nuanced in that it doesn't actually say I own it. It, it says that my public key, uh, mm -hmm. this long string of numbers that that we use in the blockchain world, my public key owns this this at this thing. So we can prove to the rest of the world that, that this that my, my, this public key. Then uh, there's a whole other debate around, okay, well, how do we prove identity and how do we link, you know, me, Mark Pascal is, is linked to that public key. That's a whole other sort of challenge and, and the thing that's going on. But, uh, but yeah, but, but essentially uh, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, a little bit worried around this sort of first generation NFTs and all the hype. Uh, I think, you know, when you hear about you know, digital art going for gazillions of dollars mm. and, uh, there's a lot of hype, a lot of speculation, uh, a little bit too much, and 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 of course, you know, the, it's 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 very different from Bitcoin, for example, which has got programmable scarcity in, mm -hmm. in built into the system, 21 million. So you can kind yeah. of get that. If I've got demand, I've got scarcity, I've got value. But when somebody sells, you know, a picture of a you know a digital punk for for a lot of money, you have to question what's going on here. I think mm -hmm. it is partly pandering to this this probably one of the worst human characteristics of this 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 desire to show off our wealth yeah. uh, so I think these first generation nfts are there's a bit of that mm -hmm. uh, and uh, which you know I don't really want to be part of but I think as as the as the system becomes more sophisticated uh, we're going to see some real innovation uh, you know the, the ability for a, an artist to, to, to get royalties you know down yes. the track from from whatever mm. I think we're going to start building in much much smarter ways to use nfts than, than just simply saying hey I've, I've paid 62,000 for this crypto kitty anti-rich you know sort of mentality or it's just showing off but i think yeah but it's, it's also going to converge with the whole metaverse digital gaming space you know which it starts to make a lot more sense you know if i can prove that i own this spaceship or the set of armor uh 
if I can transport that value from one game to another game or out, even outside that, that particular game system, then yes, we can start to see why that, that becomes really important to that met, sort of gaming metaverse world. Okay. Uh, it's 2050. Where do you think the world is going to be? I mean, what's your take in terms of, you know, where do you think we'll be as a country? <laughs> or is it just too far away? We've got no well, idea. Assuming, assuming <laughs> we haven't been been eaten by a virus or uh, mm. AI hasn't sort of, AI hasn't put prison cages. Uh, I I would like to think, I would hope to think that this 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 concept of sovereign wealth uh, is good for humanity. Uh, this uh, and this this ability to create new transparent uh, non-hierarchical systems uh, we can forge out a, a brave new world that is more positive uh, I, I think that we've got a long way to go and uh, yeah uh, I think we I mean at the moment we've got this this sort of quite quick evolution of the sort of technology infrastructure it's a lot of problems it's slow it's it's painful it's a bit like we're in dial-up with the internet uh but we've also got a lot of exciting potential i think that people start to see ah you know with this dial-up system i can start to see how facebook might be created or or streaming video or we, we can start to see with this blockchain infrastructure as it evolves uh we can see the potential to create new and better systems the trick is to try and create the systems that, you know, that these new systems that address some of the bigger problems uh, mm-hmm. like inequality. Uh, and I, and I, I do actually think, you know, the big problems like the environmental breakdown, the only way to fix that problem is going to be with some sort of DAO-like structure, something that sort of transgresses geopolitical boundaries because, you know, the, the system is fundamentally flawed when you've got 200 countries with their own governments, elected or otherwise, looking after their own populations uh, and, and they don't get re-elected yeah. if they, they don't look after their own populations. It's always, you're always going to end up, you know, trashing the commons, which is the shared resources. So, mm. you know, and we're, seeing, we're seeing what's going on in, in the UK at the moment around, you know, trying, trying to get agreements. Yes, they're making okay. progress, but, you know, yeah. I, I, I actually think, you know, we need another entity that is more powerful than, than Facebook, more powerful than the US government or the Chinese government, that actually, you know, is not part of political geopolitical boundary. It's part of this entity, a DAO, where anybody can join, anybody on planet Earth can join, and that DAO starts to build up huge funds uh, and the ability to to influence and and just pay for stuff to get done. Uh, and it, that that is becomes this this global system that might start to address those bigger problems. So yeah, that that is my hope and. Uh, yeah, but who knows? It could all go very wrong as well. If you throw in an AI device. 21st century version of the IMF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. yeah. Okay, well, Mark Pascal, it has been fantastic. Thank you for your insight and your honesty. And I'm really, really excited and looking forward to hearing your welcome address at our event, Trust, Traceability and Digital Trade, on the 28th of February next year. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, thank you. Cheers.